Well, so I'm sitting there one day on Instagram scrolling through and I saw a comment that said, this is big dick energy. And I was like, what is that? I look over at Jake and I was like, do you know what big dick energy is? And he's like, no. Is it for people who have big dicks? And I I was like, I don't know. I think this might be something that like the younger kids are saying (laughs) because I don't know what it is. And then I asked my client who there are a lot of younger kids if they knew what big dick energy was. And they're like, no. But And then I did their brand workshop and they wanted everything to be big dick energy. You could probably just start the podcast with this podcast is big dick energy. Welcome to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together podcast, where each week we help you identify the bullshit that's holding you back and discover the courage to take action to create a life you love and enjoy. Welcome back to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm Lindsay. And we are excited to be back with you for another episode. And before we jump in, I want to read, we had a bunch of people chime in over the holiday break and giving us awesome, awesome feedback on iTunes. So I want to read a little thing from Megana Shea. She gave us a five star and she says, this podcast has changed my life. It has been a true turning point that I never knew I needed. These ladies are awesome. And we think you're awesome, Megan. Yeah. Megan's part of our VIP group in Facebook as well. And we just adore our listeners and everyone in that group because we're all relatable there and it's a safe place to share. And it's just a great community that we're we're building for our Tagus tribe. Yeah. So if you haven't already and you want to come over to our VIP Facebook group, it's the art of getting your shit together VIP tribe and give us a little request. We'll let you in. We'll welcome you to the group and you are welcome to share, ask questions and partake in all the conversations that happen over there. And what are we talking about today? Today, we're really building on our focus this month about lasting change and what that looks like and what that means, but really how to create lasting change. We've had a couple great interviews this month with how other people have made lasting change, but sometimes we can still get stuck. And so what does that mean? And a lot of times it's what's going on between our ears. It's in our brain and how we can really be addicted to our problems. Well, the, the re- there's a reason why our problems are so freaking addicting. The reason why we're addicted to our problems or we don't ever get out from underneath our problems is because they provide us with a sense of certainty. There's two reasons, actually, certainty and significance. And what I mean by certainty is the things that we would call our problems in our life, they can give us a sense or an excuse to not move forward or take risks. If we're attached to this certain story that we're telling ourselves that's a problem, then we're not going to go out and take a risk and do something new because that's my story and this is my problem. Well, I can't because, you know, fill in the blank. And then another reason it provides certainty is because it's comfortable. So we know it. It's safe. It's kind of like you curl up with a warm blanket and that's just, it feels cozy. And it sounds weird to feel comfortable in your problems, but it really does provide a sense of security. And so the other reason why our problems are addicting is because it creates a sense of significance. And this is more on a subconscious level. I don't think any of us really think, oh, wow, my problems make me so important. But our problems can really create a sense of significance in our lives because it helps us to seek confirmation from others. Like if we're having a problem and we want to talk it through with somebody or, you know, it can it can create a reason for us to command a room or a situation if you're fighting with your spouse or something and it's because you have problems, then it creates significance surrounding you. The more that you focus on your problems and the more that others focus on your problems and try to help you with your problems, then it can make you feel significant on a subconscious level. And 
it sounds weird to say that I feel important because I have problems, but really it kind of, one of the things that Tony Robbins talks about is how, you know, significance, you can get significance in very negative ways. And he is always like violence is a very good way to get significance. If I come in and put a gun to somebody's head, I'm the most important person in the room right there. And so that's kind of an extreme example of significance, but it's a way that we gain importance by committing to these problems. So our, our problems keep us comfortable, but they also keep us stuck. And too often we tell ourselves stories that just reconfirm our problems and they justify our problems and then it becomes a loop and we can't get out of that because this continuous loop of, oh, I have this problem, so I can't do this. And so I'm going to sit here and not take action and then I'm going to feel uncomfortable. And then, you know, it just creates this addictive loop. And one of the quotes that I really like to say all the time is when we justify our problems, we recommit to them. I'll say that again. When you justify your problems, you recommit to them. So when you say, I can't do this thing, I can't take this risk, I can't change my diet, I can't exercise, I can't whatever it is, fill in the blank, and then you justify the reason, you just recommitted to the problem in the first place and you will never experience good discomfort of achieving your goals. You're just going to continue to wallow in this place of Mm -hmm. feeling uncomfortable because you're not doing anything. Yeah. It's that story that you're telling yourself. And that's one of the first parts to making lasting change is by changing that story that you're that you're telling yourself about the thing or about the change or about your problem. So to change that story can cause a lot of discomfort, which is normal. And that's part of the human experience is discomfort. And we're going to touch base on that a little bit later. But what these stories are based on, and I'm going to go through a couple definitions just for some clarity and understanding because you're going to hear these terms again and again, and you'll probably hear them in, in future episodes too, but what's your truth versus true? So capital T, truth, and small t, true. That's kind of how we write it out to determine that your truth is the facts. It's reality as it is. It's your It's a neutral circumstance. It's what is in your world as it shows up. So an example is my hair is brown. Yes. That is my truth with a capital T. Yes. It could be really neutral or it could be a circumstance, but your true, your small t true is how you interpret that, your perception of that. And your perception is compiled of your beliefs, your past experiences, and things that you've inherited that you've been taught through your whole life. So you have this brain that you've had your entire life and it has compiled all this little bits of information that has created your reality mm-hmm. and how you see it. Because... 10 people can experience the same thing and their perception and their takeaway from that thing are all 10 different views, 10 different perceptions. Yeah. And so like an example of your lowercase t truth would be if your circumstances, I have been diagnosed with an illness and that is my capital T truth. That's the fact. What I make that mean is I'm broken. I can never do, you know, that's where the stories start coming into play, where we start to tell ourselves stories that are our truth, our lowercase t, that we interpret and make it mean. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how that will come into play. And we're probably going to talk about that more as we go on. Yeah. So. so again, truth versus true. Truth is your reality. True, what's true to you is your beliefs. Okay. Yeah. Just for some other clarity, assumptions are an expectation that... Because something has happened in the past, it will happen again. 
So I can't go and speak in front of this group because last time I froze up and people were laughing at me. I can never do that again. It's you, you just assume as soon as you're going to get up in front of a group of people, everyone's going to start laughing at you and it's going to be a shit show. And then the story you tell yourself is, I just can't do public speaking. I can't do it. Yeah. Interpretations is an opinion or a judgment that you create about an event, situation, person, or experience and believe to be true to you. It may not be truth, fact, but it's something that you perceived. Yeah, you're you're assigning meaning without knowing the true the truth, mm-hmm. the facts. Yeah. So a limiting belief is something you accept about life, about yourself, about your world, or about people in it that limits you in some way. So compile these things, things that you believe to be true for you. These are kind of the stories that you're telling yourself too, where it's too hard for me. I'm just not good at writing. I'm not creative enough. I've never been able to sustain this. I'm not smart enough. All these stories that we keep telling ourselves that we believe to be true, but it's not the truth. It's just all of our past experiences have compiled us to be that. And it, and that's comfortable for us to say like, I'm not good at that. I can't complete that. I'm not creative enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough because it keeps us out of the discomfort, mm-hmm. which we think, but that is also not true because being stagnant and staying the same causes a high level of discomfort. But sometimes we misinterpret that discomfort as part of the process and normal when we're just delaying any kind of growth with our goals. Yeah, we'll go to great lengths to avoid discomfort in our lives. And the thing is, is in order to grow, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. And in order to ditch your problems and leave them behind and adopt new stories, that's going to take a certain degree of discomfort. And discomfort is part of the process when you're doing it right. If you're sitting there just being uncomfortable and making excuses for yourself and letting these stories completely take over your life, and then you're not doing anything, and then you continue to complain about your life, you're doing it wrong. That's not the discomfort that you ever want or should have to feel. And, And granted, we're human, so that will come up and we will experience discomfort that's unproductive, but it's not necessary. Lindsay and I both listened to Brooke Steele. You're the one who turned me on to her and I just love her dearly. And uh, one of the things that she says is that discomfort is the currency of your dreams. And she's like, and I don't mean that if you just sit there and get uncomfortable that all your dreams are going to come true. I mean, in order to achieve your dreams, you're going to experience a certain level of discomfort in your life and that's part of the process and that's normal. So I think we want to talk a little bit about why we experience discomfort in the first place. What are the two kinds of discomfort that we feel and how can we tell the difference? Mm-hmm. So one of the first things is where does discomfort come from? And our brains can create emotions and create things just based on our thoughts. Like it's so powerful and it can really take over the situation. And our brains want to avoid discomfort. It's just science, guys. It's just the way it is. And our brain is very primitive and it wants to keep us safe. But 99% of the time, we're not in imminent danger of anything. We have the ability to really thrive. And the discomfort that we feel is just discomfort that we're bringing on to ourselves because our brain wants to have that kind of certainty to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. So that certainty kind of comes from, here's just an analogy, like we would rather save $10 and spend it to make 20 Yeah. In the span of human history, we are modern times where we have the industrial revolution 
and we have all of the modern amenities like indoor plumbing and electricity and cars and now the internet you have the internet in your pocket that's two minutes two minutes on the span of a like a a day Mm -hmm. so think of our existence on this planet and the only two minutes of the most current modern times is what we're going through now Mm -hmm. and but all the other minutes were spent running away from danger and a bear is trying to eat me and <laughs> literal survival. <laughs> yeah. Literal things that are going to kill me. And our primitive brains are like, okay, all there's a reason why this discomfort is happening. It means you're going to die. Mm-hmm. If you experience discomfort, you will die. So we need to figure out a way to get you out of this and into mm-hmm. comfort into your safe zone. And so our brains, it's not your fault that you think this way or feel this way. We are conditioned evolutionarily. I don't even think that's a word. (laughs) By evolution. To feel and think this way. It's just a natural part of our human existence. Yeah. And our brains are very complicated but simple at the same time. So if you take an emotion like fear that causes a physical response, running away from somebody for your life instinctively causes a certain reaction. You have that fear. That same fear and that same response that adrenaline, the sweating, the heart racing, the anxiety, your rapid mm-hmm. breathing, that same fear shows up when you speak in front of a large group of people. If you fear public speaking, you're going to, your brain just knows that feeling. It and, doesn't, and your body can't tell the difference. No, it doesn't. So, as complex as our brains are, it's still very simple. And this is fear. I'm going to respond in this way. When we feel that way, obviously that causes, you know, a high level of discomfort and we want to suppress that. Yeah. It's part of a survival mechanism. So the the example that you gave about like saving $10 rather than investing it is because that's the guarantee. Mm-hmm. Saving the $10 or saving the money or staying where we are is the guarantee that we won't become unsafe. We won't be putting ourselves out there to get killed by a bear. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we take the risk to invest the money or we take the risk to change our diet or our exercise routine or we want to start a business or whatever the thing that we want to do that's going to help us thrive, we're like, "Mm." your brain's like, girl, you got to stop what you're doing. (laughs) What if you jump and then you fall on your face and then all the things happen and your brain will justify all the reasons why you shouldn't do something to keep you safe. So you're not abnormal. I know a lot of us think, God, I don't know what the hell is wrong with me. And it's, everybody experiences this. I experience this. I know I do. Yeah, we're we're not immune to this. Um, but let's go into talking about like the two types of discomfort so that people can distinguish between what's going to serve them and what isn't serving them. Okay. So the first type of discomfort is the discomfort of inaction. It's us sitting here feeling uncomfortable and that nagging feeling that you get inside of your gut when you're not doing what you feel like you should be doing. And we always say the shoulds are not, we should never live by our shoulds, but the things that we're supposed to be doing that we know can actually help us grow or progress. Like if you sit there and you're like, oh, I really should not be eating this, like crushing this bag of Doritos right now. I should be eating a salad. The fact that you're not taking action to take steps toward meeting your goals, that feeling causes negative thinking and the negative loop. And then here come your stories and the reasons why you can't do certain things. And Coming from this place of inaction, it keeps us comfortable because we're used to, like we just said, our primitive brain wants to keep us here because it's the safe zone. But it's really not safe because we're experiencing shitty emotions and feelings, regardless of whether we're out there doing something 
worth giving a damn about or we're sitting here crushing a bag of Doritos on the couch because we're too involved in our own heads and our own stories and getting out of our own way in order to make progress. So the discomfort of inaction is familiar and safe, but it doesn't get us anywhere. We tend to really beat ourselves up when we're in this form of discomfort. We have these thoughts. We feel like we shouldn't be feeling these thoughts. Why can't I just get my shit together and get up and going? Why can't I get past the resistance? And then that only feeds resistance and avoidance because then we don't want to do the things because we want to avoid the discomfort of not doing. Mm -hmm. So then we buffer. We do things like destructive patterns and behaviors and in order to avoid feeling the discomfort which then just compound the discomfort so it's like adding shitty feelings on top of shitty feelings on top of shitty feelings so the way that you get away from this kind of inaction and avoidance of doing what you should be doing is you have to really examine your thoughts and manage your brain because we've always talked about on this podcast how your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings will create your action and your action will create your result. So if your thoughts are negative and you are overcome with negative thinking and negative emotions, it's going to create really shit feelings within you. You're not going to take action and then your result is going to be you're in the same spot. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to see evidence that you, of oh, of course my stories are true because look at the evidence and it's really just confirming all your negative beliefs. Yeah. Which is kind of a, it's just a, it's, we've all been there where we're not taking action or we're not doing anything and we feel uncomfortable and it feels sucky. It just feels awful. And then we think that there's something wrong with us. Yeah. When it is totally normal. Yeah. It's a normal, it's a normal feeling. So transferring that kind of discomfort and understanding if I'm going to feel uncom- discomfort anyway, how can I change that thought and shift it to start to believe that I can do these things and this is a benefit where I'm, if I'm going to be uncomfortable, I might as well be uncomfortable doing something to get me to where I want to be, striving toward my goals, propelling me forward, taking massive action. So the discomfort with taking action is doing it anyway. It's that delayed gratification. It's not this instant gratification where I'm going to stop and feel these negative emotions and wallow in my anger and fear and get attention from not doing something and confirming my problems. It's doing the thing anyway. It's embracing the suck. It's staying the course. Yeah. And the more that you take action, the easier it, it, it is. Exactly. You feel shitty at first. It, it It's a different kind of crappy too, though. If you really tune into the feeling when you're taking action and you feel uncomfortable, it feels a little different than the the dread feeling that you get when you're just sitting there not doing anything. And notice your feeling after. How elated you are. How accomplished you feel. And you start to trust yourself and trust this process and understand, I can do hard things. I can get over this fear. It's just a feeling. All I'm left with is a feeling. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And at... those feelings can be paralyzing, but they can also be insightful as far as start to understand like your thought pattern. So not just your patterns of the discomfort and holding you back, but the patterns where you can catch yourself and start to change your pattern into a more positive one. So the thing that we were talking about before with that public speaking and things getting easier, the first time you do a seminar, webinar, or speaking in front of some people in your company, and it could be terrifying your legs are shaking, you get the dry mouth, you're up there and people may look at you like you're crazy. All right. That was awful. No one showed up to your webinar. Well, that didn't go as planned. You know, no one shows up, but we try again. 
you do it again because you know that this is something that's going to propel you forward. You learn to lean into that discomfort and then trust the process that it can get better. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to go right the first time. Well, some things, but not everything. And well, we have to, to realize that. That's part yeah. of that's part of the growth process. You have to be a beginner before you can be anything Yeah, you else. have to walk before you can run. It's not going to just happen overnight. You're not going to be great at public speaking or great at putting on a webinar or great at, I don't know, even if you're trying to change your diet. You know, just because you had pizza and beer one day doesn't mean you should have pizza and beer the rest of the week. You messed up. You start the course over. You start again. You learn Mm -hmm. your triggers. You learn what caused you to regress and stop that progress. So we have to start asking ourselves, is this discomfort caused by a loving discipline for me? I love this. This is something that Brooke says, Mm -hmm. right? And because being disciplined is uncomfortable. Yes, And it sucks. It does. Being disciplined and doing the thing anyway when it's so easy just to scroll on our phones, put away laundry. There's so many distractions that we can have, whether it's at work or at home, that's taking us away from our ultimate goal. So is this a loving discipline for me? Is experiencing this discomfort now going to have long-term change, lasting change, get me to where I want to be so I can have that comfort later? Yeah. And that's a, and that's a big distinction too when I said that we need to learn how to de- decipher between the discomfort that we're feeling cuz a lot of times when we're just coming into this journey of personal growth and self-awareness, it's hard to distinguish between the two types of discomfort we're feeling and I know even I have a problem distinguishing between what I'm feeling sometimes. So when you can ask yourself the question, is this discomfort caused by a loving discipline for me or is this something that I'm doing for me? Because you're never going to say, is this anxiety and fear and worry that I'm experiencing, am I doing this for me? And if, I mean, you can ask that question and, and then the, the obvious answer is, hell no, you're not going to sit there. That's not benefiting you. That's not moving you forward. That's not making you feel like empowered to continue to keep going and reaching for your dreams and your goals. That is the opposite. It makes you feel like shit. It makes you feel like, no, I want to go hide and, and bury my head in the sand and not really move forward or deal with what I want to, mm-hmm. with what I'm up against. When you say, is this something that I'm doing for me? The action, not the feeling, but the action that you're doing. Yeah. Is the reason why you're experiencing the discomfort something that I'm doing for myself to better myself? Then, and the answer is yes, then you're doing it right. That is the type of discomfort that is part of the process that we need to experience that is completely and utterly unavoidable. Mm -hmm. Even people who are the most successful people in the world will experience discomfort when they go and try something new or embark upon a new adventure, do anything, like I said, anything worth giving a damn about is going to make you uncomfortable at some point in time. And a lot of us want that instant gratification and to be perfect at something right out of the gate. I am never perfect at anything right out of the gate. And like this, we just started our podcast in July and we're still learning and we're still growing and we're figuring out new ways to deliver information. And hopefully our podcasts a year from now will be even better than the shit that we're doing right now because we're learning and growing Mm -hmm. and we're doing it and it can be uncomfortable. We had Jeremy on last week talking about how you have to embrace the suck and get over the fact that it is going to suck. Nothing worth doing is easy. If it were easy, everybody would do it. We had all had the shit figured out already. Exactly. And so you can choose your heart in that instance. Are you going to choose the heart of sitting there 
feeling like shit because you're not doing what you need to be doing to achieve your goals? Are you going to sit there and let yourself feel like shit because you you crushed a whole bag of Doritos or Oreos or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and you really want to be losing weight and being a healthy human being? Or are you going to experience the discomfort of throwing that shit in the trash and adopting a healthy lifestyle and eating a salad every fucking (laughs) meal every every day if that's the case? Are you going to embrace the discomfort of giving, getting up in front of a group of people and talking, even though it scares the total shit out of you? Mm-hmm. And the feelings that you're left with after those two events mm-hmm. are what are going to confirm whether you're moving forward or not. Because yeah. if you, you might have, like you're saying, completely almost shit your pants before getting on stage and talking in front of a group of people or in for your webinar, but at least you are like, okay, I fucking did it and it really wasn't that bad. I survived. Yeah. And honestly, like if we're if we're talking about diet and, and health, after a few times of doing it, it might feel shitty at first. And you're like, oh, that, the salad is really not as satisfying as, you know, a, a burger from In-N-Out. You're going to feel so amazing mm-hmm. that it doesn't even matter that you feel like you're depriving, and I'm using air quotes, depriving yourself. Mm-hmm. After a while, the feeling just goes away. Yeah. It gets easier. It does get easier. I'll share a personal experience. Yes. I love wine. I just do. Mm -hmm. My husband and I love to drink wine, and we usually don't share a bottle of wine. We usually have our own. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like drinking right now is, I feel like it's one of those socially acceptable things where you just... It just is normal. Feels like a normal thing, right? And I grew up in a house where, you know, people just would come home and unwind with a glass of wine or a drink, and it's fine. Well... I'm a highly motivated person and it got to the point where I want to do more and bigger, better things in my life. And I realized that this wine I'm drinking in the evening and on the weekends is getting in my way. It's not that I felt like shit all the time, but it was distracting me like in the evenings where I could be doing something productive towards my goals, but I was sitting and having some wine and hanging out with my family instead, which is fine. But even when everyone goes to sleep and it's like downtime, I could be being productive and I wasn't. So I'd get up in the morning. I'm very motivated, yada, yada, yada. But it was it was just slowing me down. So I decided that I'm going to not drink for a while. Mm-hmm. And when I decided on that, I was like, wow, like this is a bigger part of my life than I thought. Wine is more than just winding down at night. It's feeling comfortable in social settings. It just makes me feel more social. Like it's just part of the experience of of going out and doing things, going to dinner, going out to dinner, not having a glass of wine. I'm like, that's fucking boring. Mm-hmm. We went to an event this week, Jen and I did for this group called the No Tribe. And we're in their, their no book as part of women to work with in Phoenix. It's great. We could talk about that later. But I was like, wow, I'm going to go to this event. I'm not going to drink. Like, I'm going to be bored. And I wasn't. I went. I had a great time. We were mingling. It was so much fun. And I just, I needed to experience that to know, to reconfirm that I don't need wine in my life to relax, to enjoy myself. Even though it wasn't, it's not a huge part of my life, but it was there. And it is uncomfortable. There's times where I come home and it's four o'clock and I'm cooking dinner and I want to have my wine or on the weekends, like we had people over at the house and everyone's drinking and I'm not. And it was weird at first, but I'm like, it's what's the big deal. So I'm constantly reconfirming that this process, even though it's uncomfortable, and I keep playing these stories in my head that life's boring without wine, you know, this is gonna suck, you're gonna have to entertain these people, which is not true. Like I love being around my friends. I love being around people. I'm a social human. But it became this part of this habit where 
it's just, it was just there. And I even kind of noticed it with my husband. We're just kind of like, oh, well, look at us. Yeah. <laughs> like we're doing it and it's, we're making healthy changes, even though we didn't think it was that unhealthy, but it was just kind of getting in the way of our goals. And we're like, yeah, we need to make this change. And I it sounds that. small, but it, it was a big deal and it is a big deal, but it's, it's crazy when you take it away or you make that change, what a big deal you play it out to be when it's not. And it could be, maybe wine is a big problem for some people. But me being highly motivated and a highly productive person where it wasn't getting it, where I thought it wasn't getting in the way, then I, I started thinking about it. I'm like, wow, this kind of is, I could be doing so much more at night if I wasn't drinking wine. And talk about the clarity that you're feeling now that you have kind of, you're on an alcohol hiatus. Yeah. It's like I, my my mental clarity is so much better. I know I'm sleeping better. I'm so much more present. I get up and, and just, I get up and go. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was get up, getting up and going before, but it, I'm getting up and going in a way that's so much more intentional and I'm going to say profound than before by just making a small change. And I'm guessing that you still kind of miss the wine, but it makes you miss it less when you know how you feel. Yeah. And I have to keep telling myself that, yes, I do miss having that quote unquote feeling of, you know, being sexy with a glass of wine and just letting the day go and decompressing and, and what that feels like and looks like. But I know how much better I feel now. And I just hold on to that. And it feels great. Yeah, it was a ritual. And I love I was as I was listening to you tell the stories that you were telling yourself in your head. I was like, okay, so that's your truth, you know, the truth versus your truth, Mm -hmm. you know, the truth that you can, you can survive without a glass of wine, but for you, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And then the assumption that you wouldn't have fun because in the past I feel, you know, like I stand out like a sore thumb or I feel stupid when I'm not drinking or I know that Mm -hmm. I have maybe a little bit of social anxiety that goes away with this. Mm -hmm. So all the stories and all the ways that these things were playing into Mm -hmm creating your stories and it shows how your thought patterns can change how you show up with the change so if I were to continue to tell myself this is going to be boring you know I don't want to hang out with anyone or go do anything without wine that's it's restrictive yeah and then I feel deprived well everyone else is drinking why can't I then I feel like an outsider I don't feel like part of my community it comes from deprivation and and restriction you can't make lasting change that way. I've talked about that before. And is this co- is this a loving discipline for myself? Is this change for me? Yes, it absolutely is for me. I'm making this change for my health, for my clarity, for my business, you know, for us, for this podcast. It's for everything. I'm showing up better as a wife, as a mother, as an employee, as an entrepreneur. I'm showing up much better because I'm not distracted by this other thing. But it's coming up from a place of loving discipline, not restriction and deprivation. And I think one of the greatest lessons of you sharing that story is when we kick our problems, which, you know, like Lindsay is saying, I didn't think I had a problem with wine, but I noticed that it was starting to affect my life in ways that I didn't want it to anymore. And what whatever problem it is that you have that you're addicted to that you're not letting go of, when we do finally let go of that and embrace the discomfort of creating new stories and doing something for us rather than something that's going to keep us stuck you will feel 10 times more empowered at the end of the day to continue to go. So it's like taking that first step is the worst. You know, you're like, fuck, I have to do this. And I, I'm overwhelmed and I have analysis paralysis and I don't know, you know, and then all of the negative thinking comes in. But then you take the step and you do it and you realize how good you feel after you take another step and another mm-hmm. step. 
and you get the momentum going and that's really where the lasting change continues. But you have to take the step. You can't think about taking the step. You can't pretend like, you know, I'll do it tomorrow because that's never going to happen. You actually have to take the action. You have to do it. Yeah. Because you're never going to have the feel good feelings of being feeling accomplished after you did do the thing. And you're going to feel the discomfort regardless. Yes. Whether you do it or not. And going back to the wine thing really fast, there were t- before I even committed to this, there were times where I'm like, I'm not going to drink or I don't want to drink this week or whatever, just because I want to spend my evenings focusing on creating content. And I would do it anyway. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Because it was habitual. I want to come home. I want to unwind. And then I would feel the discomfort of drinking or that I'd beat myself up and be like, why are you drinking when you don't want to? Like, mm-hmm. this is crazy. But it, we had it in the house and I wanted yeah. to feel a certain way. I thought I wanted to feel a certain way. And it was so easy to recommit to my problem, like what we said earlier, just because of the thoughts I was thinking. But once I decided, I decided right then that this is non-negotiable right now. And to change this pattern and to really change my thought about it and to understand how I'm going to feel later, that delayed gratification, that's when it made sense. Yep. And I think, too, it's important to note that Lindsay also has support. Her husband supports her. I have been very supportive of the change that she's made. And um, and I have an accountability buddy doing it with me. Yeah, that's great. So you're, you're actually taking, not only did you make the decision to make the change, but you're holding yourself accountable and you have the people who love and care about you supporting you along the way. Because mm-hmm. that's really important. Because I know like Jeremy said in, in the podcast last week that Sometimes your friends and family can really suck. They can want to, they, they don't, I don't think people consciously ever want to bring you down, but I think it's easy because when, pe- when we see, and it's kind of a natural inclination, especially if we're not doing things in our life or we want to be doing and we're just not taking the action, it can be kind of a natural way to be like, oh, come on, Lindsay, just, just let loose and have a, have a drink. Yeah. Who cares? Just, you know, you can get back on the wagon tomorrow and. It's you not that they're trying it. to You've sabotage you because, yeah, they're not trying to sabotage you because they, they think that, you know, mm-hmm. they want to bring you down. It's it's kind of also shining a light of what they're not doing. And how they show, they're trying to show their love and, and support you, but it could be totally opposite of what's going to get you to where you want to be. It's counterintuitive. Exactly. I love that you brought up the wine thing because this is something that you decided to do just to take better care of yourself. And I think it's timely because we are talking about making lasting changes in our lives and how we can do that by, you know, getting rid of the problems in our lives. But the whole moral of this is that taking better care of ourselves is uncomfortable sometimes, most of the time taking better care of ourselves is because you have to put yourself first for a change. We're always so used to putting everybody else before us, everyone else's needs come first. And then, you know, we get people, unfortunately get the sloppy seconds of us because we're too busy taking care of everybody else first, but leaving our problems behind is uncomfortable. You guys, it just is like, we have to have the courage to adopt a new story and find a new way of thinking. And that's scary. It's uncharted territory. And our brains, our ancient ass brains are like, no, <laughs> come stay safe over here. Sit over here in your problems. This come is where we know. <laughs> this is where we know everything is going to be okay. You're used to this. But some of the best self-care, and, and self-care, again, isn't just massages and pedicures, is leaning into the discomfort to do the things that we want to do and honor our goals. So here are some examples of the shit that's hard and makes us uncomfortable, um, but are considered self-care. So eating foods that we don't want, but they're good for us. 
waking up early. You know, nobody wants to get up earlier than, you know, their alarm. Like, do it anyway. A new exercise routine, doing the things that we don't feel like doing, paying our bills, telling the truth, selling and making offers. That's very uncomfortable for some people, but it makes a big difference in, you know, meeting your goals, saying no and keeping your commitments. Discomfort when you're growing shows up like discipline It shows up in the form of integrity. It shows up in the form of boundaries. And it shows up in the form of doing the right thing. And none of those things come easy. You will feel uncomfortable. Pick your hard. Yep. Sit in the hardness of feeling like shit all the time or feel shitty for a brief moment. If we're talking instant gratification here, the instant gratification of feeling shitty only to get past a barrier that we're breaking through is so much better than just feeling shitty perpetually with no end. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. Yeah. With a capital T. With a capital T. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think, I think what we're trying to say is you don't have to have these problems defining your life anymore. You can, you can leave them behind. You have to know which form of discomfort is serving you and you have to be able to stop and recognize when you're in the form of discomfort that is not serving you and getting you to your goals and accomplishing what you want to accomplish in your life. Yep. And when you're in the thick of it, which route are you going to choose? And the more you do it, I want to remind everyone, the more you do it, the more you do the thing that is uncomfortable to get you to your goal, the easier it will be. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon it will be like nothing. It will be second nature. It's a non, it becomes a non-negotiable. Yep. It just is. And that's a beautiful thing. Yep. And keeping all of your goals front and center are a good way to stay on track and know. And that you have to do until you can get the feeling of feeling accomplished. Like you're saying, now I have the clarity of not drinking wine. Now I have the focus back that I didn't know that I was missing. Until you get past the hump, you have to have your why front and center and why you're doing this. Yeah. Don't settle. Settling isn't how we should be showing up in our lives. We should never settle for anything that we really want. And settling is easy because when you have a fairly good life, everything's fine. I don't want to just be fine. I know a lot of our listeners don't want to just be fine or they wouldn't be listening to this podcast. They wouldn't be trying to develop themselves to be their best self, their most successful self, their most authentic self. That If they're not, then they're settling. And who wants to settle? Nobody. Well, at least I don't. And I can tell you from experience of having, you know, January is a slow month for business for most people and I'm a business owner. So, you know, when you get into these patterns of thinking and you start to kind of freak out and, oh my God, you can either take action or you can sit there and be paralyzed by your fear. And there is no reason to let your fear overcome when you can actually do. You have a choice and the choice is to to take the action, so... Take advantage of your ability to choose. You're never going to feel shitty about taking action. I mean, okay, that's a lie. You might feel shitty if nobody shows up to your webinar or people don't, you know, you feel shitty when you get out, the initial shitty feeling. But you're never going to feel or beat yourself up for actually doing something worth giving a damn about. You're just not. So get out there, make lasting change in your life, ditch the problems, Really focus on what am I committing to over and over again by justifying my problems. I still do this to this day on certain things in my life subconsciously that I haven't examined yet. And I know the whole key of doing this is just by having awareness. Really listen and hear your thoughts. Don't just let your thoughts run your life. 
be in control of your thoughts, be a witnesser of your thoughts. Is a wit- yeah. is witnesser a word? I'll take it. Witness your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just be your thoughts. And you will start to create lasting change in your life. And we know you can do it. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. It has been a pleasure bringing this content to you. We hope you come back next week. (laughs) If you are in our VIP group on Facebook, please continue to share with us your experiences. If you're not, you can search for us at The Art of Getting Your Shit Together VIP. VIP and ask to join in and we'll ask you two ways you want to get your shit together um and then share like what you guys want to hear about because that's how we know the valuable content that you want to hear so we're not wasting your time and we love you so much we love you we will see you next week awesome the art of getting your shit together is produced and edited by ld coaching and blush cactus boutique design studio we would love it if you'd head over to itunes and subscribe leave us five stars and write a quick review if you enjoy this podcast share it with your friends so that we can continue to grow our tribe tag us on instagram at tagist underscore podcast with your shares and we'll feature you on our story don't forget to grab our free guide five things you can do right now to get your shit together and start living your best life over at tagus.com slash kick more ass. Remember your life only gets better when you decide to grow and it's never too late to get your shit together.